Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come on and fly with me Let's fly, let's fly away Hi, it's Susie and Patrice on Let's Travel, and we're in New Hope, Pennsylvania. It's a gorgeous day. It's beautiful, and we are at the Ferry Market, which is fabulous. And of course, as listeners of the show will know, there's nothing I like more than a good market. <laughs> and I love to eat. Yeah, well, that's yes, true. <laughs> we both do. So we're going to have a feast after we do this interview. We are doing an interview with Emily Harris, who's the marketing director of the Ferry Market, and Megan Bertalone, who is the general manager, right? So Megan, why don't you give us a little history of the market first? Okay, so we opened two years ago this past month, actually, um, and we started out with 13 original vendors, six of whom are still here, six are on the newer end. Um, and we wanted to add something different to New Hope, you know, a different spin on the culinary world here, though there are a lot of amazing established restaurants here. We wanted it to be fresh, quick, family oriented, and kind of like a one-stop shop, sweets, coffee, beer, wine, and any type of food that you could think of. What are the general hours at the market? Um, so we're open every day, but Tuesday. We're open until 8 p.m. on the weekends and 7 the other days of the week. Mondays, we started closing a bit earlier at around 6 just because of the cooler weather. What time do you open? 7 a.m. every day except for Saturday and Sunday, which is a 9 a.m. open. So I guess you have great coffee and things we for do. the morning, too? We do, yes. So Sky Rose Coffee. Um, Alan Cohen is our master coffee brewer. He uh, really has taken um, a love for not only roasting the coffee, but perfecting um, his custom roasts for the market. He also does the coffee over at uh, Stella and uh, the ghost light in so he offers pastries in the morning and a few other breakfast items as well and you have also you have something called shasha confections and i understand that the man who started that was uh, is a graphic designer and has had a lot of clients in the nine you know the world trade towers and when 9 11 came he sent his homemade truffles to everybody as a gift, and they loved them so much that he decided to go into the chocolate business. And on the website will be some photographs from all of the fairy market, but you'll see the, the um, display cases. He even designed the display cases so that they had the lighting would be really show off the candies, which of course I've already bought. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take me very long. <laughs> so, Emily, uh, tell us a little bit more. Are there events that go on at this market that people should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. We have several events that you can find out about on our website, on social media. So, we have a market happy hour that happens on Thursdays and Fridays so you can find wine and beer and food pairings with all of our vendors. Uh, we also do have some special pop-up events around the holidays. We have pop-up vendors where people can bring in and they can uh, you know show off things that they make already um, but that are not a regular part of the market. January so would there be something after the holidays that you would say would be 
Yeah, Thursdays and Fridays, we do have our regular happy hour. Um, in the past, we have some done some creative events around, say, Valentine's Day, pairing wine and chocolates. Um, so it's, it's still a little early yet. The holidays are coming, but definitely recommend keeping an eye on social media. That's where we'll be making announcements. And speaking of that, why don't you give us your website and any other social media accounts that you yeah, absolutely. So you can find us online at thefairymarket.com. Uh, you can also find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Fairy Market New Hope. Um, and it's just a great way for you to see what's new, what's going on, and also all of those delicious food, drink, and dessert items. So I noticed that uh, it's a farm-to-table type of place. There must be a lot of really fresh foods. So many people now are gluten-free, concerned about dairy. What do you have in that area? Absolutely. So our vendors, they do try to incorporate uh, local ingredients and seasonal flavors whenever possible. Uh, you can see that in a Little Radish. She's got um, soups and salads, farm to table. She can even tell you she does interviews with the farmers. Um, but as far as our other vendors as well, um, you know, we've just got a lot of items where if you have a gluten sensitivity, Shasha Confections, it's all gluten free. If you're vegetarian or vegan, um, the Good Gyro, they've got some really lovely options, and we do offer catering, too. I, I think you, you have great pizza, I understand. We You're do. Very, very thin, thin crust, which I love. Do they have uh, vegan pizzas and things like that? So she does have a gluten-free option uh, for the crust, and she also has two to three vegan cheeses that she offers. So one of the employees at Skyroast, She's uh, one of our uh, vegan employees, and she eats there almost every day because she has that option there to have this pizza experience, but without you know the issues hurting her belly and all. So she eats there every day, and there are many options there. That's really nice. Now, I noticed also, in addition to the food and coffee, I saw that you have some wine as well. Do you have wine and beer? Yes, we have wine and, and beer. Unionville Vineyards, which is um, out of Ringo's, New Jersey, they have been here since the beginning. They're one of our original vendors, and they offer all of their wines from a rosé to a traditional cab, whites. Um, and then we have Weyerbacher. They are actually known nationwide, uh, very much so on the East Coast especially. Um, they have some really popular beers, including Mary Monks, which is uh, big for them, and their pumpkin, which is uh, delicious this time of the year. <laughs> yeah. I must admit, I must admit it's not my favorite, but it is all, it is ever present everywhere. Uh, do you have any plans to have actual, like, grocery store vendor here? In other words, not food that you can eat, but food that you can actually take uh, away. So... Fairy Market, most of the items that are available here, they are served ready to eat. Um, that's not so much our focus, maybe some other markets, but um, for us, it is all about, you know, coming here with family and friends, finding something that everyone can enjoy, and then being able to eat it either right here or get it to go. Well, I notice that there are a lot of things that we can actually not only get, take it to go, but also take it as gifts. There's the big cookie. We noticed the confections. Some of the other things uh, looked so extraordinary and unique. 
I noticed that there's a special pulled pork sandwich that's very famous. What's that? So the almost famous sandwich by the Pork Shack, um, Michelle, the owner, has been in this community for many years. She started making that sandwich um, over in Lambertville. So it was so popular that she, in fact, started this business based off of that sandwich. Um, and it's a slow roasted pork. Um, it's not barbecue like most people would think of. It's just a slow roasted salt, pepper, very standard. And then she has this amazing aioli she puts on it with her caramel red onions um, so yeah that's how she started that business <laughs> you are making us so hungry that we're gonna thank you so much for telling us a little bit about the ferry market and we are going to go and eat bon appetit hi I'm Susie and I'm Patrice of Let's Travel Radio and we're here in Bucks County Pennsylvania and we're at the Bucks County Playhouse with producing director Alexander Fraser. Hello, Alex. Hi. And before we get into the Playhouse, which is a storied playhouse celebrating its 80th year, I'd like to talk a little bit about the town of New Hope, which is where the Playhouse is. Because a many, few years ago, I believe, Patrice, you just told me, it was named as one of the 10 best places in the United States to live. So tell us why that is. Wow. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the river. Being on the Delaware River uh, and uh, brought people from the beginning of time here. It was um, uh, an Indian village. It was a very important Indian village. The Lenape tribe lived here um, originally. And uh, during the Revolutionary War, of course, this was a, a big headquarters for General Washington. Washington Crossing, which is just six miles downriver. Um, uh, there's just always been an enormous amount of history. There was a lot of wealth here always. Um, and in the 1700s, they built uh, a great deal of really beautiful stone homes that um, are all still here. Uh, and most of them have been lovingly cared for over the years. So there's a tremendous amount of history. Um, and the landscape itself drew uh, an enormous number of Impressionist painters here at the turn of the last century. And the New Hope School of Impressionism uh, to this day rivals the Hudson School um, in its output. And the Missioner Museum in Doylestown has an extraordinary collection of the beautiful paintings that were done at the time. And like the Hudson Valley, the Delaware River Valley, there's something about the light and the water and the hills and the trees, especially um, really every season is um, extraordinarily beautiful and that's made it an extraordinarily popular place to visit and live. Do you know, Alex, I was here about 20 years ago and the new hope that I visited 20 years ago certainly does not look like the new hope of today. I have to say it's unique, it's modern, mm -hmm. it's just extraordinary. Mm -hmm. What brought you here? Uh, the Playhouse. I was a producer in New York for 35 years and um, was looking for a different experience and uh, a colleague of mine had come down here and uh, led the renovation of the Playhouse and it seemed a, a perfect place to kind of uh, look at how theater can change a community and the, this theater changed New Hope in 1939 when it opened. New Hope was a tiny hamlet with no paved roads that really wasn't very interesting. And overnight, uh, 
suddenly Broadway and Hollywood stars were coming to appear in the shows here. And so hundreds of people were coming eight times a week to New Hope. And it, um, overnight, the artists who until that time were represented by galleries who took 50% of their sales, suddenly they could open their own galleries in New Hope and sell to the people coming to the Playhouse where they made a lot more money and sold many more paintings. So New Hope became an artist colony. It was always extremely gay friendly from the, again, the early 1930s. Uh, and it drew a very eclectic crowd. It was, I think, a kind of a hippie destination in the 50s and 60s. And, um, and then as the Playhouse, as the Summerstock tradition waned in the 70s and 80s and the Playhouse uh, stopped getting star talent and kind of its fortunes waned and New Hope waned with it. And so in the 90s and 2000s, there was a great deal of flooding here. Um, and uh, New Hope went through a really hard time. And in 2010, the Playhouse closed down, and it looked like it was lost forever. Miraculously, a local foundation bought the Playhouse in 2011 and completely restored it. Um, really uh, spent $6 million doing an extraordinary uh, restoration. And it reopened in 2012, and we've been building ever since. We um, uh, have been attracting a lot of the Broadway and Hollywood kinds of talent that used to come here in the old days are coming back, and uh, the audience is coming back with it. So it's been exciting. We have to mention, Patrice, before we forget, that Alex is a Tony Award-winning producer. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. In fact, that was kind of the culmination, I think, of my New York um, years. And so uh, after that, I thought it would be fun to go someplace where uh, I could um, have a, a rural experience and, and get to do great theater. That's great. And of course, you're talking about the tradition. Robert Redford started here. He did indeed. And, and Grace, Kelly. Grace Kelly. Great. Grace Kelly was 19 years old. She was a recent graduate of the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York. And the Playhouse had a deal with Ada where uh, two graduates every year would come here the following summer after their graduation and be apprentices. And so Grace Kelly was chosen to come. She was, of course, a complete unknown. But her family, she had a big family in Philadelphia. And her uncle was a very famous playwright in the 1920s, George Kelly. And the producer at that time was producing one of George Kelly's plays, and he thought it would be a neat trick to cast uh, George Kelly's niece in one of the smaller roles. And so Grace was here. She was in two shows that year. And uh, she came back four years later in 1953, a huge star from Hollywood. Her star grew, ascended very rapidly. And she came back and did a play called Accent on Youth. And um, it's, it's, we're very proud of that history. In fact, we did a reading this past year of The Torchbearers, the play that she appeared in, with her great niece playing the part that she played. And we got a lot of the Kelly family up from Philly. It how, was fun. How fun. It was really fun. How fun. What are some of the names now that we would know from Broadway that have come here? Uh, oh, well, um, we, had, we did a great production of Steel Magnolias three years ago. Uh, directed by Marsha Mason, who's a dear friend and a member of our board, and it starred Jessica Walter, and she made her debut here as an apprentice, 
1959, and then she was back two years later and was in Neil Simon's first play, which was here. Neil Simon would have had no career as a playwright if it weren't for the original producer, Mike Ellis, who was here, who did his first four productions and really got him on the map as a playwright. He was a TV writer before that. And uh, anyway, Susan Sullivan uh, was in Steel Magnolias and Patricia Richardson and um, uh, Elizabeth Ashley oh, sure. was here in, last November. She was, of course, here opposite Robert Redford in uh, Barefoot in the Park in 1963, which was then entitled Nobody Loves Me. Titles with no in them usually don't work, so fortunately, <laughs> Neil changed it. Well, that was very good. You're just a fountain of knowledge, I have oh, to tell you. Oh, I've been you. doing this a long time, so well, it all it, comes out. Tell us what the upcoming season looks like in 2020. So we're starting the season uh, with um, something out of the ordinary for us. We have a brand new musical, a world premiere of a musical called Other World, which is set in the world of uh, video gaming. Uh, it's a very big show. It's uh, the first time it's being done. Um, it definitely has New York in its sights. And that will be here from the middle of March to the middle of April. And then, uh, and it has an extraordinary physical production that was going to be nothing like we've ever done before. Uh, and then in May, our summer season starts with uh, Herb Gardner's play, I'm Not Rappaport. And then we're doing uh, The Addams Family, and uh, we end the summer with um, Dames at Sea. There was something else that interested me in the material that I read. You have people come up and tell their stories, do storytelling. Oh, our storytelling do series. Storytelling yes. Series. So yes. our education director is a world-class storyteller named Michaela Murphy, um, who was an old friend of mine in New York. She appeared a lot with The Moth. And when she came down, I said to her, so why don't you start a storytelling series? We have an education center across the river in Lambertville, New Jersey, which is another incredibly charming small village on the river. Just across the bridge. You can walk across over there in five minutes. And uh, the storytelling series is the first Friday of every month. And we bring storytellers down from New York and up from Philadelphia. And it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Well, we're going to tell all of our listeners to make sure that they put the Bucks County Playhouse on their calendar. Let them look you up. Great. Because you are the person, you are the man. What's Thank their website you. where they can really look up everything? BucksCountyPlayhouse.org. And you're on other social media, I assume, as well? Yes. We are. We are. I don't get social media, so don't ask no, me. No, don't ask me <laughs> either. But, but, but we're me. on it. We're on it. I'm sure you are. Well, Alex, we want to thank you so much for being with us on Let's Travel Oh, it's travel a pleasure. Radio. Thank you so much. And it's Susie. And Patrice. And we'll be back. Hi, it's Susie. And Patrice. On Let's Travel Radio. And we are here with Mark Browngold, who is Director of Restaurant Operations at The Deck at the Playhouse at Bucks County. So. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you guys. So, Mark, what are you doing at the deck? So, I'm the director of operations, which means that I'll manage the front of the house, the dining room, the bar. Also, I've got a great team of chefs in the back. Um, the other part of the as an aspect of my job is that I will work very closely with the, with the Playhouse. We do a lot of events here. We work in tandem with the Playhouse. So, the coordination of, the events, of events is a really another part of my job that, I'll, that I take care of here. 
Well, it looks like you have a very lively bar scene. We do. Uh, as you see, a bunch of TVs, um, all the Sunday games. Uh, we have a really good uh, scene there. Also, before the, the Playhouse opens, before we get people into the theater, a lot of people are here to have a cocktail or a great you know, beer on tap, as well as you know, they're in our, people are in our dining room having a great meal before they go in. But the, yeah, the bar really runs the place. I mean, it's really very lively. Sometimes people in, the, in intermission flow into here and they'll also have drinks between, you know, between the, the, two, uh, the two parts of the show. And we're, we're sitting in front of a piano. So I assume there's music. <laughs> yes, yes, we have a lot of live music here. Um, as you see, we, you know, we do have the piano and piano music. Also, lots of guitar music here. We have people um, that'll come in and play with us. Um, our new show that's coming once um, is a show about guitar players. So we'll have actually some of the cast come in here, do a few songs with their guitars, and then kind of lead everybody into the theater for the start of the show. Well, that's a very special thing. I've actually never heard any restaurant do that. Yes, that's, that's a great thing about the teamwork between the Playhouse and the Deck Restaurant. I mean, we work together, plan events, do things together. So. You know, it, it is a unique thing and something that we can offer that a lot of places obviously can't. What are your hours? In other words, if people before theater, obviously, they come here. Yes. And then they have the, um, uh, then they have the, the show. And can they come after the show? Absolutely. We have a really uh, uh, robust scene here after the shows, too. People will come out, um, you know, Things, for instance, we just finished the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Really? So, of course, that's a really lively yeah. crowd, some great people, exciting people, good energy there. And, of course, right after the show, they're all in here, you know, having, <laughs> continuing the party, Continue which, the party is, which is awesome. Getting a little bite to eat, having some drinks and some, you know, so, yeah, that, that's, so that happens. So it's a total experience, a total experience. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So the other thing that's unique is your location. Right on the river, as you see, um, beautiful views. Um, of the Delaware and across into Lamberville, um, on season, uh, our entire you know front of the restaurant opens up, so it's almost the inside and the outside are one thing. You hear, you know, all the traffic going up and down the river. We have a waterfall on the side of the restaurant, so you hear the running and the flowing of the the river, and it's just like, you know, very calming. Makes a nice backdrop for you know what we're doing in the restaurant. Well, that's a very special experience, and we're certainly going to tell all our listeners to come here. What's your website? Uh, the website is thedeck.com, um, um, and you know our menus on there, our hours of operation are on there. We've got some great, uh, great things happening, great events happening. We'll, we'll update all the events every, every day and you know every week, and see what's upcoming, and you know again the synergy with the theater. Uh, our restaurant website leads into the theater website and the theater website leads into the restaurant website so you can learn all about the deck and the playhouse all at once when you go to our go to our website so another unique feature is the river it's such a beautiful uh, location absolutely so we're right on the river right on the Delaware River uh, we get to overlook uh, Lambertville and obviously great views of the river the back of the restaurant um, you can see and hear a beautiful waterfall that cascades into the river the entire back of the restaurant opens up, so actually the inside and the outside become one. So it's almost like even though they're in our restaurant, people are you know, experiencing the, outs the outside. So how would someone find you? What's your website? So we're on the web at uh, playhousedeck.com, playhousedeck.com.
Well, okay. Well, thank you, Mark. I'm Patrice. I'm Susie. With Let's Travel Radio. And we'll be right back. Hi, it's Susie again. And Patrice. Of Let's Travel Radio. And we're still in New Hope, Pennsylvania. And we're with Jimmy Nicodellis, General Manager of the Ghost Light Inn. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, guys. How are you? Welcome to the Ghost Light Inn. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying your stay so far, the rooms and everything, all our hospitality. Well, it's beyond our expectations. This is a beautiful building. Could you give us the history? Yeah, well, um, I think it all starts with Kevin and Sherry um, Doherty. They, um, they had a vision, I think, in general, just for the, the hotel, but also for New Hope itself. Um, they purchased the property and they've done a full renovation. They've put in a, a restaurant by Jose Garces called Stella and they've made a, a really nice building, which is on the promenade on the Delaware River. Um, there's 12 rooms on the third level. They're all, some of them facing the river. They're beautiful, elegant style, contemporary with an old charm. Um, yeah, Kevin and Sherry had a vision for New Hope. I think putting the promenade in the middle of town really helps the uh, local people. They can come down, they can look at the river, uh, they can bring their families. I think before it was an abandoned building, it was an eyesore, but now it's something really special. Well, I think it's world class, but I think a lot of people might not know what a ghost light is. <laughs> a ghost light. So a ghost light is a standing light, a freestanding light that's put on a stage in, um, in a theater or in the playhouse, which is adjacent to the ghost light inn. The ghost light was um, mainly to keep that light in, in the theatre so that people could kind of see what they're doing between shows. But also the theory is that a lot of these old playhouses were haunted, so it gave, you know, it gave that, that experience to, the, to ghosts. They could come back and perform. They had the light, so it keeps the peace between the supernatural world, I think, and, and our world. So are we going to see any ghosts tonight when we go to bed? I don't know. You'll have to tell me in the morning. <laughs> I noticed, Jimmy, that the uh, textures, the fabrics, leather, all of the accoutrements and the hotel seem so specific and really well appointed. What's the history of all of that? How is it designed? Well, that's, um, that's mainly Sherry, Sherry and Kevin. They, um, they picked out pretty much everything that's in this place right through. So they... Obviously, like I, like I mentioned before, they had something, they wanted to create something special, and I think it really shows who they are in, in all their properties. You know, we have the Carriage House, which is a sister property as well, that's a little bit smaller. It's a, it's a more of a vintage style, more B&B. It's really close to the water, it just creates a different experience. The Ghost Light Inn, it's, um, it's in the center of town. It's more like a hotel, but... Um, They've just kept a really unique style in the rooms, right through the rooms and the common areas as well. It's a very boutique -y. It has the old world charm, but it's very modern. Yeah. And you have a whole space. You do a lot yeah. of events here too, Well, right? this, this event space, um, it's right on the water. It's right on the promenade. Um, as you can see, they've got garage doors. It's, it's an industrial style. The industrial comes from the fact that it's also a flood zone. So I think they can't have anything that's permanent in this area. So that really creates something special. And I think the, um, 
the garage doors they can open up we can serve onto the promenade it's a shared space so we can have people walking past we can have tables we've had hosted some events so far which have been in the in the warmer season so it's, it's really nice out there it's really something special well so what kind of guests are you catering to are they local or na- national a little bit of everything so a lot of a lot of people are coming from new york a lot of people from new jersey so so we have a little bit of both people that are just looking to get away for a weekend um a lot of people from new york but it's not that far from from new york so i think it's about an hour and 20 an hour and a half so it's just that enough for people to get away so jimmy what kind of clientele do you cater to here do people come go to the theater stay here have dinner yeah Tell absolutely us about that. absolutely they um they like to incorporate a few things. This town offers a lot as far as the Playhouse, obviously. It's had a lot of history, a lot of big plays come through here. The town itself is something unique. Um, it's, it's a beautiful town, has a lot of, a lot of restaurants, has, has a little bit of a nightlife, has a lot of history being um, Washington Crossing. Um, the people that come here, there's a lot of people from, from New York, a lot of people from Philadelphia. Um, we're kind of in the middle, not exactly in the middle, but you know, people that are looking for between an hour and two hours to get away for a weekend, it's really the perfect spot. Well, I notice that the promenade is something that really is a, a strong feature. Yeah, definitely. The promenade, it's been good, as I mentioned before, with local families bringing down the kids. Before, there was nowhere really in the town that someone could come down and sit on the water that just enjoy the, the promenade. Um, there's a lot of lanterns across the water that just make it look special. And when there's events on, so basically there was like a, a, a fireworks once a month, it's really somewhere where people can bring down the family and enjoy the fireworks. You have an art installation now on the promenade. Yeah, that's part of the, um, it's LGBTQ month. Um, so that's like an interactive, um, event that they're having so people can walk down and they can really get an idea of the history and, and how much New Hope was involved in, in the history of... Because it has the colours of the rainbow. Exactly, but... yeah. So it's interactive. They can open up the little boxes and see in, in, in where, where the history of that is involved. And, and it's also interactive so they can go to the other parts of town. And, and see what's happening there. So I know that uh, people come for the weekend. They, is there a brunch crowd that comes as well? There is a brunch. So brunch started approximately a month ago. So as, as you would know, we haven't been open that long. So things are starting to move on now. The brunch crowd, um, basically everybody that stays here is looking at brunch on a Sunday. And the, the brunches are something special. Obviously being associated with Jose Garces is, is really special. Um, so yeah, the brunch crowd, breakfast, um, there's a lot of options in this area. Um, yeah, the people, they get a full package. When they're here, they get a full package, definitely. We're so central in the town as well. How long in advance should people make reservations? Is it really booked up? We're booked out on the weekends. So the weekends are really something that people would have to plan. Um, through the week, it's a little bit quieter, but weekends are definitely something that you'd have to look forward so you were talking about reservations and uh, are they booked way in advance? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of our bookings are people that are coming from those areas that I mentioned. But because we have the event spaces, 
we've got two months next year where our weekends are booked out already. Um, so basically people that are having their wedding or having an event at Stella um, or in our event spaces, they want to book they want to book the whole place. So they're booking out the ghost light in and they're booking out the carriage house. We have 15 rooms uh, which are elegant style. So there's something special. They're, it's a boutique style. So um, we haven't got a lot, but the ones we have are special. We've looked at some of the rooms. They're absolutely fantastic. Everything is triple, triple, triple mint. And both Susie and I have traveled around the world. And frankly, we have never seen anything like this. It's so, so special. So would you say it's good for a romantic weekend or maybe a getaway during the week? Definitely. Uh, romantic weekends, it's just, it's just something. It's, it's the full package. Uh, the executive suite, which is also the honeymoon suite. So we provide that for um, the bride and groom on their special day. It's part of the, the package. Um, also the carriage house. The carriage house is just, it's, it's, it's amazing. It really is. It has a private balcony. The, the, we have an apartment that has a full-size chef's kitchen, big lounge area, private balcony, a king-size bedroom upstairs, and it's just, it's right on the water. It's, uh, it's secluded, it's quiet, it's, um, it's really nice. It's a 200-year-old property. Um, the, the rock wall is original. Um, it's been built out from the, the exterior. They kept the original wall, so from the inside, it's it's a really it's an old rock wall. Um, and what's the and name of that property? That's the carriage house. That's the carriage house of New Hope. I see. And that's our sister property. So, how would people get in touch with you if they wanted to book a room? Well, basically through our website. So, there's a website for the carriage house and also for the Ghost Light Inn. And um, what's the uh, URL? The, it's uh, ghostlightin.com and carriagehouseofnewhope.com. Um, there's some really good photos, pictures of the rooms. There's a lot of information and we're always available. So reception hours are from 9am till 10pm and we're available for any, any inquiries. That's great. Well, you may have to drag me out of this room, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> well, Jimmy, it's been a great pleasure being with you at the Ghost Light Inn in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Yes, we really enjoyed it and we're going to have a wonderful dinner tonight at Stella. Well, I'm Patrice. I'm Susie. And it's Let's Travel Radio. Abiento. Hi, it's Susie. And this is Patrice from Let's Travel Radio. And we are talking today to Dr. Frederick Simeon, who is the founder of the Simeon Foundation Automotive Museum located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So, hello, Dr. Simeon. Hi, how are you? Um, uh, can we call you Fred? Please do. So we'd like to know, this is um, rated as the number one car collection in the world, and to what criteria is there for this great honor? Yes, they used uh, three criteria. First of all, the quality of the cars, historical quality and uh, preservation quality. The second was what the collection does for the community. And third, and least important, the aggregate value of the collection. They looked at 100 collections and did a detailed analysis of those and ranked us uh, first. That's great. How many cars are there in the collection? 70. 
And they date from what's the oldest car? The oldest car is 1906, and the newest is 1975. We don't go wow. past 1975 because we want to have cars which are more classic. And I understand that all the cars in the collection have actually won races. They're all winners. They're all winners. They're all cars that were at the upper end of technology and performance. Yeah, there's no small cars or unsuccessful cars. So how did the uh, collection get started, Fred? Well, it's um, I had a wonderful dad, an only son. He was a general practitioner, family doctor, and we would do house calls together in the 50s, and then um, we would look at cars, sometimes in junkyards, because there were a lot of great cars uh, from the 30s in junkyards then. And he taught me what's important and what's classic. And from that, I was able to, at a very early stage in this hobby collection, be able to get cars that I could afford. And when he told you what was important, what did you look for in, in a car? What made it a car that you wanted? <laughs> well, those things that I mentioned, uh, originality, classic lines, uh, when they were performance cars, uh, how they did in, 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 in international and local performance. In other words, the thing that makes something a winner. In fact, the motto of our museum is the spirit of competition. And we celebrate competition by using the very best cars as examples. And, and you started with, what was your first car? Uh, an, an old beat-up Alfa Romeo from 1947. <laughs> uh, and you put it together. You and your father put it together? Yeah, we kind of, I was entrusted to do that. And it kind of got piecemeal, botched together a bit. But uh, at least I had myself a little car. Yeah, that's great. I would have liked to have had an Alfa Romeo, maybe in my next life. I saw yeah. something in, in, on, the, on the website that said something about a 100-point era of the collect, collector car hobby. What was that, what, or what is that in reference to? Well, um, that was probably in reference to my theories about restoration. I don't quite remember where that quote is, but I believe it refers to the fact that the paradigm in which modern collecting and taking cars to big shows and getting prizes was based on restoration perfection. I believed and wrote a, a book about the fact that if you get a car that has its original surfaces and finishes, you shouldn't try to make it shiny, but you should keep it as it was, kind of like we already know about fine furniture. I know that your museum is unique in that all of your cars run and you have demonstration days. Can you tell us more about the demonstration day experience? Yeah, the demonstration days are the three purposes. First, and mainly to educate uh, the audience because a historical object is only as good as its history. So in order to see the car operational, <clears throat> which is quite an attraction, uh, they have to listen to maybe 20 minutes about the history of the car, the times, the race, whatever is interesting. The second thing is we believe that uh, a function of a car is to be seen in motion and even to be heard. Uh, one reason we got this uh, great international award is basically no other museum does that. 
they don't have a staff and they don't have these educational things. So we we think that that's an important uh, addition. And finally, quite frankly, moving them not only keeps the cars in shape, but it encourages more visitors. I certainly can understand that. I know that there's a new film out called Ford versus Ferrari, uh, starring Matt Damon and Christian Bale. It's raised awareness to the general public about cars and racing. Has the mm-hmm. film had a strong impact on the museum? Yeah, very significantly. The uh, production company made us their uh, automotive museum partner. They sent us some uh, um, exhibits and some artifacts from the movie. They uh, rented a large theater in Philadelphia where we could invite our guests to come free. And in general, um, we've taken advantage of it by having uh, demonstrations related to the theme of the movie because we do have cars which were actually in the movie when it was happening. What exhibits are coming up uh, after the new year? Well, we're going to do another uh, two exhibits about the movie. And then in January, we're going to start the Best of Britain, where we're organizing the best British cars uh, so that we can have a rotating exhibit to maintain a certain degree of uh, interest. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, What about uh, educational value? Are you doing things for students? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a totally different subject, really, but uh, we have just started. We've had summer camps that work very well. Our target audience are kids between, say, 13 and 16, but we're having now STEM courses. Uh, What we're doing is some local charter schools are busing their kids over where we can show them examples and add to their interest by having them associate with fine cars, but also teach them principles of physics, math, and engineering. So that's going to start. The first one will be on December 17th. I think I need to take that course, having never taken (laughs) 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 So in closing, what would you like our listeners to know about the museum? Well, I'd like them to know that we think that the history of automobiles and automobile racing is important. It's an important part of the development of this country, plus which it's a sport. I mean, you have something which also changed the the face of the country by being the basis of malls and shopping centers and everything that's associated with automobile mobility. But it's also a sport. It's right up there. Attendance is right up there, particularly at NASCAR with, uh, with uh, NFL and NBA. And finally, uh, we believe our personal contribution is to preserve the greatest cars by keeping them in a charitable foundation, which hopefully will last indefinitely. Well, we hope so, too. Could you give us the information about where it is and the hours? Yes, the the hours are 10 to 6 during the week, 10 to 4 on weekends. We're closed Mondays. The address is 6-8. 25 Norwich Drive, which is convenient to I-95 and 76 in Philadelphia. And um, the admission is free to youngsters. Uh, seniors are $10. Uh, uh, general admission is 12 And there's many different reasons to get in free. If you're a teacher, you get in free. If you're a veteran, we just want to have people come and look at the cars. Well, we had such a great time there. And we know that the website address is Simeon Museum. 
museum.org, and that's S-I-M-E-O-N-E, museum, M-U-S-E-U-M.org. Thank you. I really appreciate your interest. So this is Patrice and Susie of Let's Travel Radio, thanking Dr. Fred Simeone of the Simeone Museum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Bye-bye. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come on and fly with me Let's fly, let's fly away